What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Welcome to First Look, Washington Post Live's one-stop shop for news and analysis. I'm Jonathan Capehart, Associate Editor at The Washington Post. Well, say this much for Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He's had one hell of a week. Uh, Here to explain is Leanne Caldwell, co-author of The Post's early 202 newsletter. Leanne, welcome back to First Look. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Okay, so Speaker McCarthy ordered an impeachment inquiry. Why? Well, that's a great question. McCarthy is getting a lot of pressure from members in the right flank of his party to move to this impeachment inquiry. Um, Some of his members already want to impeach Joe Biden. And what's interesting is McCarthy, my sources tell me, was actually supposed to announce this impeachment inquiry later in the week. So Thursday, yesterday. He ended up doing this uh, earlier in the week on Tuesday when one of his, uh, one of the people who disliked him the most, uh, Representative Matt Gates of Florida, uh, telegraphed that he was giving a speech on the House floor challenging McCarthy's speakership. And so McCarthy moved up this timeline, announced it hours before Gates gave this speech. And so it just goes to show you how much pressure McCarthy is under and how worried he is about his speaker's gavel uh, when he's getting uh, you know, pressure from the right constantly. Well, let's keep talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, the speaker's worry because it, it boiled over um, uh, I think it was yesterday or, or during the Republican conference where he, you know, dropped a couple of F-bombs directed at, um, particularly at Congressman Gates, where basically he said, go for it. If you're going to do it, go ahead and do it. And by the way, if there's a government shutdown, I'm not, we're not going out of session. Now we're, go- we're going to stay here. Is that ultimately where we're headed? That because of this um, internal battle, everything's about to get shut down. Yeah, it's a mess, Jonathan. It's a huge mess. <laughs> and everyone's using that word because that's a word that Leader McConnell used several weeks ago, calling it a mess. But yeah, it was McCarthy's F-bomb heard around the Capitol. Of course, only about 100 Republicans heard it, but it leaked immediately from that closed-door session with House Republicans. And what was happening is McCarthy was saying to Matt Gaetz, bring it, bring this motion to vacate where you can remove me from my speakership. I dare you. It was an attempt to look strong and to look powerful in front of a conference that really has him by the by the wrist trying uh, he's trying to appease them. And, and so McCarthy is while he is trying to appease his right flank, we has entered into an impeachment inquiry 
and headed straight for a government shutdown because the right is making dramatic demands about attaching things to government spending bills, to greatly reducing government spending to unrealistic levels. And McCarthy is trying to placate them and figure out how to get him on board. And he's not willing to work with Democrats, which is the key point. He's trying to do this with 218 Republicans only. And he only has a few seats, a few seat margin, which makes it extremely difficult, especially when there's a lot of people on the Republican flank who just don't want him to succeed, don't want to fund the government, and don't want him to be speaker. Yeah, on top of it, he can only lose four votes. Even if he does come up with that Republican-only bill, once it goes over to the Senate, there's no appetite for anything that could possibly, that we're talking about, that could come out of the House. So this is going nowhere fast. But let's get back to uh, the impeachment inquiry. Is there any evidence to suggest that President Biden was aware of and possibly profited from his son Hunter Biden's business dealings? Because that's apparently what this impeachment inquiry yeah. is supposed to be about. Yeah, that's absolutely right. These Republicans say they don't care about Hunter Biden per se. They care about the treatment of Hunter Biden, the special treatment of Hunter Biden, and that President Biden profited from what Hunter Biden was doing. Um, there's no evidence yet. Um, and most Republicans acknowledge that. There are some who say that there is mountains of evidence, but there's no connection. Um, and so they are going to continue to investigate to see if there is any there there. Um, so far, they haven't found it. Uh, but what's interesting about this, Jonathan, is if you open an impeachment inquiry, even though they're not holding this formal vote to officially open this impeachment inquiry, um, and there's no evidence and they don't find this evidence, do they just say, oh, we're not going to open an impeachment? And so that is a de facto not guilty of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And that is exactly what Republicans do not want heading into a 2024 presidential election. And so now that we've started down this road, it is very hard to see that this uh, does not lead to an impeachment, regardless of if there's any connection or not between Hunter and Joe Biden. Right. Let's stick with um, Hunter Biden for a moment because he was indicted yesterday on, on gun charges. Will that embolden House Republicans in, this, in their effort to impeach the president? Well, on the one hand, they were calling for an indictment or of Hunter Biden saying that their previous plea deal uh, that was entered that fell apart, uh, what created was a special system of justice for Hunter Biden, that he did not get the scrutiny that he deserved. So he was indicted, not on the tax charges, but on the gun charges. And he, the Republicans are now saying that it's fishy that he was indicted on the gun charge, but not on the tax charge that could be related to Joe Biden. So I think that this Anything that revolves around Hunter Biden is absolutely for Republicans going to be fuel for their fire, regardless of the evidence or lack thereof.
Right. Yeah. They're they're um, so far you know standing on the grassy knoll of of conspiracy theories. One more question for you, Liam. The White House has been hitting back uh, strongly. Um, with the president saying Republicans want to impeach him to shut down the government. We've talked about that. But a spokesman calls it a, quote, evidence-free goose chase. Some Democrats, like Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, uh, literally laughed at the prospect of Republicans impeaching President Biden. But the administration is taking this seriously, isn't it? They are, and they need to, because if they completely ignore it, then that means that Republicans will dominate the framing of this, uh, of the impeachment, and that they will have all, only their position will be out there. And so while they believe that it is a sham impeach, impeachment inquiry, um, they do plan to aggressively litigate it. Uh, they don't plan to ignore it. But what our colleagues in the Post wrote this morning is there's going to be this two-tiered type of plan where, on the one hand, President Biden is not going to address it directly. Instead, his team is going to be the ones who are going to push back against this. Uh, his surrogates are going to be on the airwaves pushing back against this while they're going to try to make President Biden look above all of the politics that are happening on Capitol Hill. Leanne Caldwell and the guest cat in the background. Who's the? <laughs> that is Samson, my cat Samson. Sam Samson makes it. Um, Samson makes their first look debut in grand fashion. Leanne Caldwell, co-author of the Post's Early Two and Two newsletter. As always, thank you for coming to First Look. Have a great weekend. You too, Jonathan. Thanks. We're going to keep the conversation going with our opinions roundtable in just a moment. Let's go to the opinion side of the Washington Post, where we will find Washington Post associate editor and columnist Ruth Marcus and Washington Post columnist George Will. Ruth, George, welcome back to First Look. Good morning. Uh, let's get some of the breaking news from overnight um, out of the way first. Uh, the United Auto Workers. Uh, went on strike against the big three automakers in a, in a limited strike for, for right now. The union's holding a rally tonight. Uh, Ruth, I'll start with you. The, what are the economic and political stakes here? Um, they're both very high, and uh, particularly for President Biden. He's really caught uh, between two substantive imperatives and two political imperatives, and they're both the same. The Democratic support for climate change on the one hand, particularly for um, promoting electric vehicles, and on the other hand, the importance of organized labor and um, the particular um, importance of the auto workers, and in particular in Michigan, uh, on the other hand. And, and these two things are just uh, coming to a head for him at a particularly um, inopportune time. You know, George, uh, President Biden calls himself like the most pro-labor president that's ever been elected. Should he enter the fray or should he just let things play out? Well, when in doubt, why not let things play out rather than bring to bear presidential power? Uh, he's he's pro-labor, but remember, most of the labor movement in this country are government employees. 
we're down to what below seven percent of the private sector work workforce is now uh, organized by labor. And one of the big winners of this little episode is apt to be the South, particularly South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky, and Northern Mississippi, where an enormous number of automobiles are assembled and manufactured. But uh, they're in right-to-work states, and uh, I think the feeling of solidarity, to use the, the word that uh, features so large in labor history, the solidarity that they feel with the United Auto Workers in the North is, I think, minimal. Hmm. Um, let's move on to the other, what was the other big news of the week before this strike, and that's the impeachment inquiry. Um, and here's how Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin described the political fallout of an impeachment inquiry. Watch. I can't tell you the number of Democrats who've come up to me today to say, let them do the impeachment. It will be the end of the Republican Party. It will end up in complete defeat and humiliation for them. Of course, I've got a little bit too much respect and love for the Constitution just to let them go down that road with at least pointing out that the constitutional standard is treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors, and they don't have evidence of any wrongdoing at all <laughs> of Joe Biden. And so, Ruth, in an online chat this week, you said this could be, quote, pure, po pure poison for those Republicans who somehow won in 2020 in blue districts. You sure about that? Um, I think that wasn't me because I was mostly um, cooking for the Jewish holidays this week. Oh, my God. The that was actually Gene. I'm sorry. That was, it. Um, that was Gene I, Robinson. It was, it was Gene um, who was going to be here, but I'm filling right. in. And um, uh, and the brisket's already cooked, so nobody who's coming for dinner should panic about that. Um, the, the impeachment inquiry is just... Uh, it is probably, Congressman Madison is right, it's uh, it's probably political poison for Republicans, but the really worst thing is that it's a degradation of the constitutional order. I was counting it up this morning. This is actually the fifth impeachment inquiry of my lifetime. That is um, definitely at least one too many. Uh, the Congressman is entirely right treason, bribery, high crimes and misdemeanors. And misdemeanors does not mean a minor crime. It means something serious enough to remove, to consider removing a president from office. As Leanne said, where is the there? We don't usually launch a criminal trial or an impeachment inquiry before we know um, there are the serious enough goods to justify it. And it, it's just, um, it, it's just so, demoralizing and dispiriting to see this, which I guess was probably inevitable from the start of this presidency and the start of Kevin McCarthy's speakership, but it's just um, just terrible to witness it. And George, let's pick up and keep this part of the conversation going because I mean, to Ruth's point, impeachment used to be an extraordinary action um, for extraordinary circumstances, like, say, trying to overturn the results of a free and fair election to remain in power. Does Speaker McCarthy's uh, action against President Biden rise to that level? It does not. But then again, we had an impeachment during the Trump administration based on one committee hearing and one phone call to Ukraine. Uh, some of us thought, who have no brief for Mr. Trump thought that that was defining high crimes and misdemeanors down also. Look, uh, the question is not, did 
Joe Biden have detailed granular knowledge of what his ne'er-do-well son was up to. And it's not whether Mr. Biden himself benefited. Clearly, indisputably, the Biden family has benefited enormously from this. Now, when Hunter Biden flies to China on Air Force Two with his father, then the vice president, and returns uh, on Air Force Two, uh, having secured a, a multi-billion dollar investment deal, you have to ask a question. You can't sling a brick in the United States without hitting a talented investment uh, person, finance expert, entrepreneur. Yet of all the 332 million people in this country, uh, Hunter Biden had millions of dollars thrown at him by people. Now, it's not a high crime, it's not a misdemeanor, it's sheer ugly seediness. But uh, to dismiss it, as you did a moment ago, as grassy knoll stuff, Jonathan, there are dozens of shell companies were created for this. The point of a shell company is to hide something. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, to find out what they were trying to hide? Um, uh, Ruth, we'd love to get your, your um, response to George on that. But I'm also wondering, listening to George, why... I mean, why wasn't there an investigation or any kind of inquiries into two senior White House officials who also profited um, mightily while they were in office? I'm talking about Jared Kushner and uh, Ivanka Trump. Okay, so um, the first thing I want to do um, is uh, address George's uh, seeming equivalence or to some extent equivalence of the first impeachment of President Trump and this current situation. It, George said that the impeachment, and correctly, that the impeachment inquiry um, was launched very quickly. And I think it's a fair argument that perhaps there should have been more investigation and more fact-finding um, before the impeachment inquiry was launched. But that phone call um, to President Zelensky, by, it was not a perfect phone call. It was a disturbing phone call. It was a phone call in which the president was trying to use the power of the United States in an effort to, um, in fact, discredit his likely political opponent and um, and, and go against President uh, then private citizen Biden. That's a much, much more serious thing. And I think George would agree with me, uh, even if we disagree about whether it justified impeachment, uh, than anything that has come up with respect to President Biden and Hunter Biden. Uh, the second thing is, I'm going to agree with George here about the unseemliness of the Hunter Biden uh, operation, the larger way in which the Biden family like many political families, it needs to be pointed out, has benefited from their proximity to the principal in power and particularly in the White House. Um, it does not look attractive in any way, and I am not going to stand up for it, but I'm going to simultaneously say that um, to use that as a impetus or excuse for impeachment, and I think here George and I were agreeing, um, is just, um, I'm just going to go back to my word, my phrase, degradation of the constitutional order. Okay, well, we'll save Jared and Ivanka for, for another time. Let's talk I'm, about... I'm sorry I didn't get to Jared and Ivanka. I, you know, I kind of hate the 
the whataboutism road that we go down on that. Well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And the, the reality is, and so now I'm going to interrupt you, Jonathan, I'm sorry, and deal with Jared and Ivanka. Um, if there is bad behavior and potentially criminal behavior and potentially impeachable behavior that ought to be investigated, it should be investigated no matter whether or not there was uh, a comparable investigation of other people. So that's my answer. Okay. Um, Senator Mitt Romney, he announced this week that he is not going to run for re-election. He's only been in the Senate one term, and he's basically said, that's enough. And in leaving, he said, quote, Biden is unable to lead on important matters, and Trump is unwilling to lead on important matters. Uh, George, I'd love both of you to talk about this, uh, respond to this. But George, you first, your thoughts on this jaundiced view of the, uh, the potential of the front runners of both parties? Well, yes. I mean, uh, his jaundiced view is one of the great areas of bipartisan agreement in today's <laughs> uh, Huge majorities in both parties don't want to happen what seems about to happen. Mitt Romney is, is a kind of straight arrow. Decency is the word that springs to mind and doesn't spring to mind all that often nowadays in Washington. You say he's only served one term. One term might be about enough. He's 76 years old. He's in a Senate that cannot budget, that uh, every year vows to restore regular order appropriations, bills going through appropriate committees and all the rest, obedient to the, the law, I stress, the budget law, never happens. It's also the case that most of the most unhappy senators are former executives, former governors. Mitt Romney was governor of Massachusetts for two terms. And they find the legislative life unsatisfying. It's always the case. Even the former attorneys general that are in, this, in the Senate uh, are frustrated. So uh, uh, there is the third matter, and that is Mr. Romney looks around his party and says, who are these weird people? Uh, how did we get to a place where Lincoln's party has Representative Green of Georgia as among its leaders? And uh, he'd rather go home to the mountains, go, go home to Park City, Utah. It's pretty out there. Ruth? Well, I, I think that Mitt Romney is one of the sadly few remaining honest, I think George's word is exactly right, decent, um, intellectually honest, but more than that, morally upright um, people uh, in elected office in the Republican Party. I would point out that he is the only senator to have voted twice to convict uh, President Trump uh, in the impeachment inquiry because he understood that both of the things the president was accused of doing, the perfect phone call and the insurrection, um, were in fact impeachable offenses. And I think it's it's uh, his departure, uh, first of all, um, good for um, people to bow out before they get too old for the job, a um, little jab at others who haven't done that. Um, good for him to have enough of another life. But what a, um, and, and good for him to actually kind of recognize, though it's kind of sad, that the Senate is really no place these days, given the larger state of Congress, to get very much good done. It's it's sad that he's leaving public life, but probably smart for him.
Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about a, a big interview that um, will be shown on on Sunday on Meet the Press. The new moderator of Meet the Press, Kristen Welker, landed an interview with former President Donald Trump. Some clips have already come out where um, the analysis is, why does he keep giving the prosecution more ammunition? Ruth, you're you're an attorney. Should he, should he be doing interviews uh, or should he be hanging back and have his say in court where it, where it will truly matter? Well, this is a conundrum that he faces because the question is, uh, is he worrying about whether or not he's going to be um, convicted in any of the four indictments that he's facing or is he running for president, you know, yes to both. Um, And you can't run for president without being out there and promoting your candidacy, but it's very hard to be simultaneously a criminal defendant. Of course, no, you you know, no first-year law student would recommend that somebody who's been indicted go around, and no less somebody who cannot control what he says in the way that Donald Trump can't control what he says, Nobody would recommend going off and talking to any interviewer, no less somebody as skilled as our friend Kristen Welker. Um, But this is where it is. And to some extent, there has been already so much from him and so much for prosecutors to use that maybe uh, it can't get that much worse for him legally. George? (laughs) Things could always get worse. Uh, That's my rule of life. There's no such thing as rock bottom. Um, well, especially when it comes to Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump uh, likes being in the spotlight. He has, for political reasons, avoided the biggest spotlight so far. That is the first and upcoming second Republican debate. But uh, I hate to medicalize everything, but this is a kind of addiction he has. And he can slake it by going on uh, Meet the Press and other things. Uh, I think he feels that, uh, and I'm sure his lawyers are probably telling him this, that the, many of the charges against him are rebuttable and and, and difficult to come to a, a conviction on. So I, th- I think, uh, he, 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 I bet he kind of likes the high wire nature of this, uh, disobeying the, the normal counsels of prudence and flaunting them. I just think he's having fun. Yeah, and I and I think you know there's going to be there's no difference between the campaign trail and and the courtroom where he will be spending a lot he'll be spending a lot of time in in both venues and they're one and the same I think when it comes to him in his campaign one one real quick thing uh, George uh, on um, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin and his meeting with North Korean leader Kim Jong Un what do you make of that and the, is that a sign of desperation? on Putin's part in his war on Ukraine? Well, there are desperate aspects of his of his uh, situation now, uh, well into this protracted blunder in Ukraine. What struck me most, Jonathan, was here he is, he, he, his whole motive seems to be, to the extent that he has a motive other than sort of gangsterism, is Russian greatness. And Russian greatness, his, uh, that he's supposed to embody turns to the world to look for a friend. And what's he get? He gets this, this god-awful uh, family dynasty 
in, in a rump state in the Korean Peninsula. That's what he's really reduced to. Uh, China may have, and President Xi may have, pledged in a moment of excess, eternal friendship, et cetera, et cetera. But look around, he, Putin looks around and says, here's what I got, here's my friend, the dictator of North Korea. I mean, that is pathetic. Ruth, got any, you, ha you have any thoughts? It, it's pathetic. It's also a measure of um, Putin's desperation. He needs the ammunition. He needs um, what North Korea um, may be the only country that's willing to provide to him. And then we have to say at what cost. This is a Vladimir Putin in the past has understood the danger posed by North Korea. Russia has voted for sanctions at the UN against North Korea. And so uh, Putin's desire for short-term gain may gain North Korea an edge in uh, space technology and other things in the longer term. And that's something that um, we should all be concerned about. Yet, yet another thing for all of us to be concerned about. Yet another thing. Ruth Marcus, George Will, thank you both very much for coming back to First Look. Have a good weekend. You too. You too. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.